Welcome to another episode of Data for Future. This is Tammy. Hi everyone, this is Pablo. Well, you've probably heard that our planet is in danger right now with glaciers melting, sea level rising, the pandemic right in our face, so on and so forth. You probably also have friends or influencers, social media tell you to act to help this, with the situation by using less plastic, change for zero waste products, to go vegan, so on and so forth. However, as helpful as these solutions might be, we can, as we are educating ourselves, as we're making a change, we can help but thinking about how impactful are they? When we're talking about climate change, what are the biggest contributors to it and how can we change that? And today we hope to answer those questions with you while we dive into the single biggest contribution to climate change, energy. So Pablo, going from here, I know you've have this interest in energy for a long time. Would you like to give us a brief introduction about what is energy and how it ended up being the biggest contributor to climate change? Uh, yes, sure. Thank you very much for the introduction. I would also say that my personal interest in energy has been there because of so many organizations and activists um, preaching to phase out coal to phase out natural gas and fossil fuels. At the same time, you hear so many different sources which claim that agriculture or any other part of the supply chain uh, is responsible for, for the climate change. Of course, we're interested in data to, to support our conclusions, to support our research. And if we look at the data, we know that the greenhouse gas emissions are the driving force of the climate change. Looking at data, 73% of the global greenhouse gas emissions come from energy sector. This is why this topic is so huge. It's so important. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, it's pretty much everywhere. Yeah, but when we talk about energy, do we mean electricity or what does energy conclude? Yeah, let me explain um, what energy means, because I think here lies the first big discovery for me. You know, when you think about energy, you normally think about electricity. Probably because media talks so much about electricity and you kind of have these things equal, but they're not. In fact, electricity is part of energy, but there are also heat and transportation, which comprise even a bigger part of, of the energy sector. Mm -hmm. If we take a look at electricity and heat, these two things produce 30% of all the greenhouse gas emissions in the world and transportation produces around 16% of the of the emissions. Okay, I, I can see why nowadays we talk more and more about electronic vehicles. Yeah, exactly. So transportation is, is a big part of it. In fact, if you're interested in, in percentage numbers, then the heat is the, so far the, the biggest subsector inside the energy sector. Then we have transportation and after that electricity. Electricity, in fact, amounts for around 20% of, uh, of the energy consumption. And although media talks so much about it, we, if we rely on data, we actually see that other two parts are even bigger. 
Well, I guess we talk about electricity so much because this is a generally big problem, but the solution we see lies in electricity as of solar, wind, nuclear, hydro, and that's what brought them to our attention. Yeah, although the, the global picture, the bigger picture is not that easy to understand. Because if you, let's say, if you have just an electric car, but the electricity that your car consumes is uh, made of coal, then it doesn't make any, any much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Now, let me, let me explain a bit, a bit more about what do we use our energy for and what does it, where does it come from? Maybe a couple of some interesting points. So what do we use the energy for? 30% of it we use for industry. There are, there are a couple of very energy intensive industries like iron and steel. Then we have transport, which accounts for around 30% of the energy use and uh, around 21% for residential or household use. But in fact, energy, it's, it is everywhere. It's, it's everywhere in anything we do, anything we buy, anything we produce. And I think this is a very interesting angle just to view the problem of climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. Because normally you might think in industries, like, you know, the food is accountable for this amount of greenhouse gas emissions. If you take a look at energy, you realize that a part of energy lies in the, in the food production and agriculture. A part of it lies in, in, the, in the iron industry. A part of it somewhere else. And then you understand that this is why it amounts for 73% of global uh, emissions because it's, it's just in every industry, it's in every house and you cannot just avoid it. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why the problem is more complex than we thought about as we dive into the research more because we can look at energy from different angles, look from the the source of our energy, there is coal, oil, natural gas, wind, solar, so nuclear, so on and so forth. And they have different levels of cleanness and greenhouse emission. But then if we look at different industries and the usage of the energy, it could be the transportation industry, the manufacturing industry, they all have different levels of pollution linked with them. But the end product of those industries become the product that in our hand as the for consumption. If we look at a computer, a mobile, uh, there's a lot of energy going around from the manufacturing of the product, the transportation of the product, and to the end life when we are recycling or uh, ending up throwing away a product. There is energy involved in every single process of this. Yeah, exactly. And in all of this, the most important question is, of course, where does the energy come from? What is the right. source of our energy? Uh, nowadays, 60% of electricity comes from coal and gas. And just coal is accountable for one third of all the greenhouse gas emissions in the world, which I think is just crazy. If we take a look at renewables and their part in the electricity production, then the number is 23%. And you might think, oh, wow, but 23% is quite a lot. But don't forget that electricity is just part of, of energy. Okay. If we take a look 
on a, on a bigger picture, on a broader scale, then we see that renewables actually account for around 13% of all the energy supply in the world, and 10% of them are biofuels, which means you use wood to, to power heat, to cook, and in fact, over 1 billion people still uses wood to, to cook in their homes, to, um, to provide their needs at home in, in their households. Therefore, the renewable energy, as we kind of imagine it in our heads normally, you know, the, the wind power, the solar power, it accounts for only around 3.9% of all the energy supplied in the world, which is certainly not enough. Wow, that that really caught me off by surprise because if we're thinking about the two degree allowance we have for temperature increasing down the road, we kind of have to make this switch, not tomorrow, not not by 2030, 2050, but tomorrow or right now. So if renewables are very promising and they seem to be a good solution for the climate change, why are they taking up such little percentage and why are they not being widely used now? As far as I understand the problem, there are certain reasons coming to my mind. The first one is the cost of investment upfront is really high. So with countries, uh, with developed fossil fuel infrastructure, they lack the incentive to build and invest in new facilities for clean energy, even though it's cheaper in the long run, but upfront expenses really hinders people from taking the action and change. The second reason I see is the unreliability of the energy source. As good as wind and solar are, they really depend a lot on the weather, the geolocation where you are in. What, what, it, it works great when there is wind and there is sun, but on windless day or cloudy days or different area of the world, you can, you don't have guarantee of continuous energy supply. The fact that they are unreliable is also another big factor, a challenge to be solved. Uh, the third reason, I think, is from a more broader picture that any technology breakthrough and changes need great investment. They also need incentive and support from the government. And I think the government need to push out more policy in terms of tax or su subsidies to people or companies developing this new area to help them to develop and grow. Yeah. Since you've, uh, since you've touched the point of, you know, unreliability of renewable energies, you know, there have been some news that batteries are so bad for the environment. We cannot rely on batteries and we do not have sun all the day. In this perspective, Tommy, do you think that 100% transition to renewable energies, is it even possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because I think it's just a matter of time. It's definitely possible and we like, like we mentioned before, we have to make the transition. And you mentioned battery, but I think the right now we're uh, relying on the lithium-ion battery 
However, they do have a problem that they only store certain amount of electricity and they're only for a short amount of time. Even though there are new companies developing longer lifespan, bigger storage batteries. However, I also need to point out that battery is not only the solution for energy storage. Energy storage, I think up to today, the most common format is through the pumped hydro plants. So what they do is whenever there is wind and solar, they generate energy. They use the energy to elevate water up to a high ground to save the power. And whenever they need new energy, they release the water and the water coming down from great gravity turns that into a new electricity. So the hydro pump is so far what we use most. However, they do have their limitation because they require you to have this difference of elevation to make this possible. But again, there are new startups, companies developing technology that we wouldn't necessarily need such geographical feature to make this possible. Instead, they will drain wells on the ground so they can operate it anywhere. And also, other than battery, we have different kind of storage, such as molten salt. So they transition the energy in the form of heat and save it there to be released whenever they need to transition heat back to energy. And another really interesting one I found is the carbon capture and storage. Basically what it does is to capture the carbon released to the air and change it into, pump it into other form of carbon, either underground or in form of trees so that they can purify the air, but also to save the carbon into another format. And this to me is a great, is a great solution because another problem we need to think about is to balance the need to eliminate carbon emission with the economical growth of an area. As you mentioned before, 1 billion people in the world still don't have access necessarily to electricity. They use open fire. If they want to grow and they have only access to energy generated by coal, we should allow them to do that. But meanwhile, we need to create facilities to capture those and to convert, to clean the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the same time, to address one point that you mentioned, that 1 billion people doesn't have electricity access. In fact, it's even more. It's 1.4 billion people who live in developing countries. Mm -hmm. And renewable energies, exactly here, they can come in and, you know, grant that access. Because to distribute, you know, power generated by, by coal, you need a bigger infrastructure, whereas... Solar power can be installed pretty much off-grid in any part of the world. This is why also in, in Africa, solar energy is becoming more and more popular and it can, it can accelerate uh, the access to energy for these 1.4 billion people in developing countries who still don't have it. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, and, and the other aspect of renewables that contributes to, to sustainable development is also health, because of course, 
burning coal and burning fossil fuels in general generates air pollution, which causes many respiratory diseases. In fact, in a study by Potsdam Climate Impact Institute, the researchers say basically that if we phase the coal out, we will avoid healthcare and, and environmental costs, which like the, the amount of the costs avoided will outweigh the economic growth uh, reduction. Mm-hmm. And therefore it's even, it's even attractive financially in the short, in the short term to, to make the transitions from coal to renewable. Interesting. Well, also because we have this special twist in data and technology, uh, we can think about how artificial intelligence in the energy industry can play out to help with the development, no? Mm-hmm. So, so from the source of the energy production, AI can be very helpful when we are to secure the proper functioning. As we mentioned before, the unreliability of the energy natural energy source is a, one of the biggest concern. AI here can be used to really have more accurate focusing of the weather condition, of the wind, of the soil, so that we can have more precise estimation of the, pr- the supply and demand of our energy, thus allocate better to make us it more reliable and stable. And once we have the plant running, we also face accidents of the plants. So the wind turbines might not working and there could be a breakdown of certain parts. And here is where we can use data to run predictive analysis to prevent the accidents and the, to do the maintenance in time to make sure the system flows well. And another part is when we are transmitting the power into smart grids and even the power in between neighbors when we are when we have the ability to transact electricity with one another ai can be used to best allocate the resource and also as homeowners that means for us if we know where where and when we'll have the most energy we can kind of change around our energy use in the house mm-hmm. so that we can save our bills and cut down the cost overall. And as we know, in commercial buildings, our home, there's a lot of time we just simply waste energy. And by putting down IoT sensors and to analyze the data of the energy usage of a building, I'm sure there we can find a lot of room to trim down our usage which I saw a data from a, a energy company. They said it's about 60% of energy wasted in the building usage. Mm-hmm. Do you know, by the way, the price of these kind of installations? Like, it's like, if I want to install this kind of thing in my house, how much would it cost me? Well, it depends on the level of advanced you want it to be. And... I'm not too sure. It could be a few hundred if you want a good smart home system per se to mm-hmm. smart monitor for your energy system, which can be then once you install it, you can say, okay, for this cup of coffee you brewed, it used uh, 
30 cents of electricity. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I believe the long term, it will get cheaper and then the benefit and the saving is going to bring you will outweigh the cost, initial cost. Yeah. Very interesting. To kind of make us a bit more grounded on this topic, there are certainly things that the governments can do, certainly things that businesses can do, and of course, things that we can do, just the consumers, the citizens. In your opinion, what are the actions each one of us can take in order to improve uh, the energy efficiency or to address energy loss problem? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question, because I think... I did a lot of research and me, myself, I also follow the general trend of like reduce plastic usage, eat more plant-based diet. However, I find one source, um, they rank the actions in terms of their potential impact. And here I want to kind of introduce it to everyone as well. The first thing on the list is to plant trees. As simple as it is, it's the most cost-effective way to reduce greenhouse pollution because, as we all know, trees just absorb carbon and not only absorbing carbon, they also enhance the biodiversity, they help with the water cleaning and just so on and so forth. It's the triple of beneficial impact. And you will, you might ask, how do we plant trees if we live in a city? But now, nowadays, there are websites where they hire uh, local people to plant trees in different parts of the world. Where we do is to we select our trees online, pay our part, and then we can have detailed updates about our trees and their status. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend that to people who want to make a difference. But <laughs> to be more concrete to our day-to-day -day life, uh, as as suggestion I would have is to use more sustainable transportation habits. Mm. Like we mentioned, tr transportation is a very big part of the problem and among which cars actually take up to 82% emission from all transportation. If we simply go for more public transportation, we choose for more ride share instead of taking a cab just by yourself or mm. if you have to drive try not to brake and mm -hmm. accelerate as rapidly as you can because and when you're on the highway try to use more cruise control those can significantly cut few it's good for you good for your pocket but also very good for the environment mm. but Ultimately, my biggest suggestion is just to walk or bike as mm -hmm. much as you can. It's even good for your health. <laughs> yeah. Another suggestion I would have is just to reduce the amount of heating you use for your house. As we learned, is it contributes to 50% of the energy we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's also good for your pocket to save down the biggest energy expense in your house. And I would ask for all the investors out there to divest from coal. Nowadays, there are platforms where you can check among your investment fund portfolio how, my, how many percentage are 
invested for fossil fuel companies, simply divest your money from them can just stop them from growing further. And the last thing I want to mention, but not least, is just to eat less beef. I don't know if you know that animal agriculture is what caused the Amazon forest fire this year. And beef alone count for 41% of the greenhouse emission among all the animal agriculture. Give you a more concrete idea, if cattles, they they were their own nation, they would be the world's third largest emitter of greenhouse gas (laughs) after China and the US. So just let that fact sink in with you. Yeah, I would just maybe add, you know, just replace your traditional light bulbs with efficient ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, because LEDs, efficient LEDs use uh, up to 80% less electricity. At the same time, 10% of all the uh, household electricity that is being consumed is being consumed for nothing, just because we leave our appliances and uh, they're in sleep mode. Mm-hmm. Let's say there is a, a, a TV, you know, and the, the TV just wants to start up very quickly in order for, like, for your convenience. And this is why, you know, your TV is programmed in a way that it consumes electricity all the time to be, like, in a sleep mode, but actually it's on. Mm-hmm. So here an advice would be to just unplug your things when you're not using them. Of course, it's not going to work with the fridge because your food is going to be wasted. But if it's about, you know, just like uh, some chargers or TVs, these kind of things, in fact, it might be helpful and also save save you some money in your monthly bills for electricity. For sure. So to wrap up, as we identify climate change is a very, very big problem and energy is one of the biggest contributors to our greenhouse emission. To tackle this problem and to move the change, as Greta said, the, our house is on fire. We need to act not in 30, 20 years, but we have to act today to make a difference today. And to make this possible, the government has its responsibility to subsidize or create incentive to promote the change. And the big businesses who account for 70, 80% of all those emissions, they need to make a change. They need to start innovating. They need to create solutions. And as, as citizens, we need to call for solutions and act on what, what, whatever we can on our side. And that wraps up for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned with us and we'll continue dive deeper into more detailed sectors of energy and climate change in the future episodes. This is Data for Future. We'll see you next episode. Ciao, ciao.